Welcome to Cali. Welcome to Cali Bay. That's a good one. You like that? Actually, That's yeah. That's a good intro. Yeah. We should switch everything up to just include that. Mm, okay. Mm-hmm. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, cool, cool, cool. Cool. Yeah. Sunday night. Sunday night. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Can you hear it in our voices? No. How tired we are. It's been a crazy week. It's always a crazy week. I was going to say, I was like, I feel like we say that every single but it's time been a crazy where week. it's like... Hana, I fucking ran from some mean cops. <laughs> well, I didn't run. Well, I didn't let them see me run. Justin's on the run from the law. Yeah. Um, I want to state first and foremost that I am, I believe in public transit (laughs) and I pay my share. Okay. Mm -hmm. I pay into the system, Mm -hmm. but look, they wanted to give me a ticket because some driver, I put in a dollar 50, which is half of the fare, $3 fare, right? right? He presses the button, gives me the ticket. I only paid a dollar 50, but I have the ticket. Am I going to put in the other dollar 50? Sounds like you're making a lot of excuses for your actions, but look, Mm -hmm. trying to rip off the system yeah trying to not pay your fair share but, justin okay and i also want to state i'm not a lawyer mm-hmm. and any legal advice you hear on this podcast should not in any way be heated but <laughs> muni cops are not legally allowed to touch you or detain you yeah they're not and so they get by on a lot of intimidation there were like three of them circling me and they're like show they us your id shit. they can't yeah. do anything but they're like show us your id and i was like no this is bullshit Man, so I, but I was all calm and collected, like walking away from them. I like walk up the stairs and they're shouting up to me and I just like smiled and wave and then I flip them off. Mm-hmm. And then like, as soon as I'm out of sight, like I booked it on the off chance that they did fucking call the cops and I'm like taking off my jacket and stuffing it in my bag to like be like, oh, the description said he had a brown coat. Like I don't, I'm wearing <laughs> you a blue. like a wig and like some sunglasses. Like... <laughs> I do that. What is that? Like in all the Marvel movies, this, oh, they're yeah. disguised like a baseball cap yeah. and sunglasses. Like, yeah good one it's like the clark kent 2.0 or whatever oh man which i i think i did text you about this earlier but um I, I definitely did but this week um we were having this meeting at work kind of like about um sort of like career growth and like productivity and they used a batman versus superman oh, reference yeah. like the entire um that just reminded me because of the whole clark kent bullshit where he's like i'm wearing glasses i'm not superman i still believe it would work okay if I was Lois Lane and I was like in love with Superman, like let's say you're Superman, mm. okay? Yes, let's. Okay, let's just like we're we're hanging out, but I only know you as Justin Telemontes. You're wearing glasses. You're like I I would know it was you. Like when I saw Superman, I'd be like Justin. Hey, like I know it's you. No, because okay, first the fact of- that she doesn't know it's him means that she's an idiot like (laughs) first of all or she has face blindness like there's actually like a method acting where you sort of like you kind of like hunch your butt you talked about this before but but even with you changing your body language and your whole demeanor i would still know it's you okay but you see superman like literally shrug off bullets and like you know can lift up a tank and then you have clark kent who's like "Mm, lois my indigestion is acting up i need to go use the toilet it's like you gotta. I co- would know. And then, se- and my second point, the second reason that she wouldn't know it is him is like, okay, think about Metropolis and how many bad guys and good guys are flying around there fighting and debris flying. It's like I imagine that almost everybody in that city has some form of head trauma from like falling <laughs> concrete. And like, You're just saying that like Lois, is, or just like mental trauma, just from all the shit that's going on. Sure, yeah. All on Marvels. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, your favorite just, book in the entire world. Everyone's just thinking of these as my favorite book. Is, I know, East of Eden no, by John no, no, Steinbeck. No, no, no. I, I was going to say, in terms of comic books, 
It's funny you should bring that up because Marvels is actually second to the book that we're going to discuss today. Bum, bum, bum. So the book we're talking about. What are we reading? No, Justin. Why don't you tell us what we're reading? I'm your hype. No, I'm your hype man. You're hype man? Okay. Yeah, you're supposed to say the book we're reading and I'm like, what are we reading? And then you're like, we're reading... Wow, it just feels like you're interrupting me a lot. It's well, I was like, interrupting you in service of the in podcast. In service of the hype? Yeah. Okay. But Oop. the hype is dead now. Okay. What was that? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the book that we're reading this week, which is my favorite comic book of all time, is Saga um, by Brian K. Vaughn and Fiona Staples. Spicy. I mean, I think I'm gonna make great. that. Yeah. They're like a power couple. I mean, they're not together. I wish they were, but no, no, what? Yes. No. Then they would make because sweet love and sweet comics. If they were together, this book would have never happened. How do you this, know? This uh, because this book is sort of based on a universe that Brian K. Vaughn had co- sort of created as a child. You know, one of these places you go when you're really bored in class. Yeah. And uh, but it was only after his wife became pregnant. That he had the inspiration to sort of make it a book about parenthood. That's really cool. That's, yeah, yeah I I love this comic so much. And I know sort of like, I know that the premise of like this podcast is basically just like to only focus on comic books that I have never read. Um, but in having a podcast where we talk about like the most iconic comic books of all time, we could not ignore Saga. You have to. You have to, list. you just have to talk about it. It's like. It came out in 2012, and since then, it has been consistently, like, the, I would say the top-selling comic book it's easily, in the last seven years. It's easily the biggest book of the decade, if yeah. not the, this, I mean, we're early in the century, but it is, it's a huge book. Yeah. I mean, I think the, the most comparable book probably would be Walking Dead, mm. in terms of, like, mass. Just scope and po- like, yeah, popularity. Popularity across the culture as you know not just comic books but tv media all this and it's like this book is like i it smashes walking dead in sales and it doesn't have a tv show or movie but there's a very specific reason for that and that oh now you're interrupting (laughs) (laughs) no that uh that brian cabon and fiona staples don't really want it to be a tv show and they don't really want it to be a movie and they're kind of purposely making a book they're basically doing stuff in this book that they know you couldn't do in movies. Really? So, yeah. Because I've heard, and we were, I was reading before as well, that it's like they, it's just that it's not done. So I think that they'll, like, by the time they're done with it, they may be open to it. And yeah. they certainly are receiving tons of offers because this thing is oh, huge. Oh, yeah. But. This could be like the next Game of Thrones. Like. Easily. Brian K. Vaughan has stated where he's like, I'm doing stuff that you can't do in movies and TV that you can't get away with. And he's like, I'm just making, like, we're both satisfied with this as a comic book. Well, okay. Why do you think that is, though? Just because it's like, it's always interesting to me, especially, so Alan Moore is a really good example of this. When, mm, great example. When, like, when comic book, or just authors in general, people who, like, J.D. Salinger is a really good example. There's a reason Catcher in the Rye has, like, never been um, turned into a movie. It's like, no one can get the rights to do that. Also, is that reason that it would make a really boring movie? Oh my God. Think about a little grumpy kid. Like, Like, thanks. We already have Diary of a Wimpy Kid. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) I love how you just compared Catcher in the Rye to Diary of a Wimpy Kid. I'd like to see those sales figures. I really would, because I think, I think that. Wow. Wow. Oh my 
god. Okay. Okay. I just, I, it's really nice to know where you fall on sort of like the cultural in my literacy like spectrum here. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's Look, just, it's good to know. <laughs> like, I work with kids. A lot of the books I see are for kids. Okay. <laughs> you're like one of those like parents who's like been at home with their toddler for too long and like your only references are like the Disney Channel or like, or do kids even watch it? the youths of today? I think are the, Disney are the Plus is still sort of... watching the Disney Channel. God, can we have one conversation where Disney we don't doesn't talk go about on? Disney Plus? But we can't, they own everything. It's crazy. Okay. Well, okay. let's, let's go And it's not like, it. like, listen, next podcast, not a single. We can't reference ma- not, Disney. We can't, nothing. Okay. Deal. Deal. What, what happens if we do? If we do, um, someone can. We're quitting the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Throwing in the towel. Yeah. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it anyway, out. Anyway. Um, yeah. Saga, this is like. It is crossed over just into so many different, um, I don't, people who I know who have never read a comic in their life, um, have picked up Saga. Just because it's crossed over into that kind of nebulous area between, like, comics and, like, graphic novels. Where people are like, ooh, it's a graphic novel? Okay, well then I'll read it. But if it's, like, a comic book, they're, like, not uninterested. I think it, it definitely has that, um, it's very, like, Star Wars-esque in terms of scope. Like, you know intergalactic warfare you know space and magic and technology and all that sort of stuff yeah but it's kind of interesting because it's almost about the people who are in the cracks you know it's like they don't really want to it's not like noble heroes versus the forces of evil it's like it's not like a sweeping epic it's It's just about a family it's a family who's trying to outrun a war it's almost like a refugee tale really actually yeah that's that's actually but they're also sort of on the run as well. Right. So they're fugitives, And basically. then it, it also kind of has the sort of spiciness of Game of Thrones, where there's oh, like totally. a ton of nudity and graphic sex. And then, but also, I think that Brian K. Vaughn and Fiona Staples are both very, like, inclusive and open-minded people. So you see, like, all different body types, all different sexuality. Yeah. That's just kind of, this book definitely pushes boundaries, and it's, I think it's really cool. Yeah. So. No, I love it. What would you rate this book? I'll give it a 4.5. I just can't give it a perfect score because it's like, I'm curmudgeonly. <laughs> wow. I would give it a perfect score. Five yeah. out of five. 100%. Yeah. yeah I, I think you also respond to it a little more than I do. Like, I mm. I really like this book and I respect the hell out of it, especially the more I learned about the creators Yeah. and their view on like the fact that they are not necessarily in a hurry to cash in and turn it into a show or a movie. That is really interesting. They're actually oh. on this like really long hiatus right now. Yes, and comic stores are hurting. Oh, yeah, Because this book is a blockbuster, and it, yeah. brings in, it brings in, you know, like all sorts of people come into the store like, oh, do you have Saga? Oh, yeah. And they're like, sure. yes, and then eventually people run out of stuff to read because they're on this giant painful hiatus well that's kind of like it touches on sort of what i mentioned before too where it's just like even people who aren't into comics like they read this book and it's just sort of like i mean i've talked about this with marvels as well when we were doing that podcast but i was like if i had to put together a starter a comic starter pack for someone who's mm-hmm. never read a comic this 100 percent would be in that yeah and yeah. uncle scrooge would be in the fireplace <laughs> according yeah. to hana's system so. look i mean to be honest if i was putting together a starter pack for someone to like get into comics if i was going to include like an animal based more like physical book it might be usagi oh because of its cultural and historical significance yeah yeah and because of the skill and i say that though just like not negating that that is a part of comics and like there can be it can be done well yeah anyway (laughs) sorry back to saga because it is 
Such a great fucking book. Yeah. So good. So Saga takes place... Okay, actually, <laughs> it takes place in space. And normally... Don't you hate space? <laughs> like, okay, like, okay. I, I will admit that when I first picked this up, I was like, fuck, space, what the fuck? Why is space Can I actually pause for a second there? I'm yeah. really curious, actually, what made you pick up this book? I honestly don't remember. I think I was just... It was getting, like, a lot of buzz and, like, um... That was kind of around the same time that I had just read, like, Kingdom Come, so I was like, I'll check it out. Okay, okay. Cool. Yeah, so I, I just picked it up. It was also when I was living over on um, Deviz, so Comic Experience was, like, right there. I was just trying to figure out if it's because... Because the covers are so different than yeah. other books on the shelves, so I was just kind of like, was it the cover, or was it the, you know, the notoriety that No, it, it was of... definitely the notoriety, because, yeah. like, the cover, even though... The cover is interesting, and it's, like, very... It's dynamic in a way that I would definitely be drawn in by it, and I would definitely pick it up, um, especially just because Fiona Staples' art, which we'll talk about a little bit later, is impeccable. I fucking love her as an artist. I think the way that she draws... She just, like... She she draws the way that I wish that I could draw. Um, but anyway, let me... I like your stuff better. Oh, that's really sweet. Uh, no, it's true though. Um, I, yeah, yeah, let's talk. Let's get back because I totally cut you off, and this I want podcast is like the different phases of the moon, the <laughs> art phase. The... Listen, I'm trying to reel this in, Hannah. I want us to go back to. I want you to give us a clear, concise synopsis, oh, God. so that that's not going to happen. People know what's going on, so we're not just randomly talking about robots banging other robots. And, I mean, uh, yeah. yeah, okay. So, um, the saga takes place in space. We'll try to overlook that. And it's about these two people, Alana and Marco. There's a planet and a moon that belongs to that planet. The planet is called Landfall and the moon is called Wreath. This planet and this moon have been at war for centuries. Alana comes from Landfall where it's like they're they're humans. They just have wings. which yeah, is different kinds of wings. Different too. kinds of wings. Like bug wings, bat wings, butterfly, bird wings, everything. Anything. And then Wreath, where Marco is from, they all have horns and same deal all different types of horns and like the two different the two cultures are like very different like one way that you would kind of compare them is like one is just much more technologically advanced so that's landfall they they're just more um sci-fi they have sort of like more intense machinery um whereas wreath is more of this kind of almost like jedi magic kind of thing about yeah them. they're like druids almost yeah actually that's a really good way to describe them basically neither side can destroy the other because if you destroy the moon then it fucks up the planet's orbit and if you fuck up the if you destroy the planet then the moon's orbit what does a moon do without a planet you know right yeah. so they can't really do anything that drastic to each other so they end up outsourcing their war to other planets mm-hmm. and these two characters marco and alana meet where she's his guard on a prison yeah, on this prison planet, planet called cleave yeah it opens the comic opens up where she's actually giving birth so they're on the run and in the time that they've been on the run they've obviously you know like fallen in love and now they're she's giving birth to their baby who has both wings and horns um so this is sort of what kicks off like this entire sort of like comic series while they've been on the run the landfall government so where alana is from um they find out that alana and marco are sort of on the run and um basically both planets wreath and landfall send out people to find them and kill them and bring them back the baby which is both wreath and landfall it has both horns and wings they're kind of trying to cover up the fact that these two species that have been at war forever have like two people have sort of made peace in a way right they've fallen in love and like they've had a kid and it's sort of they're i guess 
worried about the morale of the troops or like what you know like like how this will affect the war it's kind of like a political thing so it's a very political book i didn't really pick up on that the first time i read it but it has a lot of parallels between our own sort of state of perpetual war Mm. where we're not really you know affected like yeah yeah. the the planets themselves like the people who live on landfall and the people who live on reed like they don't really like the planets are are at peace but all this war has been outsourced to other places yeah yeah it's it's, like they're still fighting but yeah it's like the planets don't see it yeah that's actually a really good point um do you know if they were trying to make that point when they were writing it i i would imagine they have to right you would think so but i don't know anyway so um wreath hires um a mercenary freelancer he's called the will and he has just like the most badass like sphinx cat familiar yeah basically it's like a sphinx cat that's like this like one of those hairless cats that's like the size of a lion um and it's called lion cat it's a telepathic cat that basically is a is a cat lie detector yeah it can always it can tell whether statements are truthful or not right and so he's he's hired by wreath to kind of track them down meanwhile landfall um, also hires their own sort of like assassin to bring them in and it's his name it's prince robot the fourth and it's like they're really cool characters where it's like they're human bodies um but with the heads of like these tv monitors mm-hmm. um and it's cool because like you can tell like the different class of like robot you know based on like the tv monitor that they have for a head so he's the the heir the son and heir of like the robot kingdom um and he's already returned home from like fighting in the same war and he's just found out that his wife, um, the princess, is, like, pregnant. But his father is, like, sending him back out to basically bring Alana and Marco back. This whole comic is kind of, like, Marco and Alana sort of trying to stay in hiding and sort of on the run. Prince Robot the Fourth trying to track them down. And then also the Will also trying to track them down. With the assistance of his awesome cat. With the assistance of his awesome cat. And sometimes the interference of his crazy ex-girlfriend, who is the most terrifying character i have ever seen in actually just anything i one reason i would be against this being made into a tv show or movie is to see this character like realized she's fucking disgusting she's like picture like a centaur if instead of a horse it was a giant albino spider and the the spider element sort of crept up into the human elements too where it's like she's got fucked up spider eyes oh she's my God. got like i hate it so much she's like, basically like this like she's she's she doesn't have any arms so she's just a torso and she doesn't have a top so she's like a topless like She's just a topless torso, and she has, like, this long, flowing black skirt, which you find out later is concealing a fucking enormous, terrifying albino spider body. Um, And then her face has these, like, six glowing red eyes. It's fucking terrifying. She's both beautiful and terrifying at the same time. Um, But she's also on the hunt for Marco and Alana because she's she's also a freelancer. All of the freelancers in this universe, they have these kind of cool one-word names, like the Will, the Stock... Um, and then usually they have a familiar, but it's, yeah, yeah, but it's, but the stock doesn't because probably she's her own fucking familiar. Uh, I hate her so much, but anyway, she's the Will's ex-girlfriend and she's also on the hunt for Marco and Alana. Yeah. Um, the comic kind of takes some like twists and turns, but essentially like they're just on the run the whole time. Um, in the end though, the, the volume finishes with, um, Marco's parents 
finding them. And Margot's parents are these two old Rethian soldiers. They're pretty badass. They, like, show up in their full battle armor. Um, and one thing that I love about, like, the Wreath character design is just, like, it's so cool. It's just, like, this kind of, like, yeah, like, these druid knights um, with these gnarly horns. Like, it's it's just pretty, it's pretty cool. Um, but anyway, they show up at the end of Volume 1, and they, they see that Marco and Alana have a kid, and they're kind of like, fuck. And that's where the volume just stops. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff in between. There's, like, a ghost babysitter. There's, like, all yeah. sorts of, just, it's wild. It's a wild book. yeah. And, and I would say, what I like about it, too, is that you have this sort of backdrop of a intergalactic war, or I guess a galactic war, really. Yeah. But then you also have just the squabbles, the sort of day-to-day of, like, family life, mm-hmm. if you were on the run from two different right. armies. But, like, you know, the Marco and Alana argue, they get angry at each other, yeah. they, they fuck, they, you yeah. know, they... They deal with shit. Well, it's interesting, too, because one thing I actually didn't mention that is sort of, like, pretty integral to the plot is, like, so while they are on the run, Marco and Alana do have a purpose, and it's that they're trying to get to, um, they're, they're making their way to their favorite romance author's hut. So, stick with me. But basically, like, what you find out is that what brought Marco and Alana together is that Alana was reading this kind of pulpy romance novel. And while she was guarding Marco, she sort of got him into it. And like, um, that's kind of what bonded them. And so once they broke out, they've been, and since they've been on the run, they're trying to get to, I think his name, what is it? Dr. Oswald Heist is the, is the author of the romance novels, I think. But, um, yeah, so they're, they're trying to get to him. Um, and I don't remember specifically why. I think they believe there's some coded messages in there. In the book. Pacifist messages Mm. so yeah i mean that's that's kind of the long and short of it i guess but it's it's a great book i i just i love the concept it's at its core it's basically like a romeo and juliet story it's kind of like forbidden love it's like a family drama um i love the designs like i just i love that you know it's like yeah it's so simple it's like wings versus horns which i think is like a really cool concept everybody wants to know the answer to that question what wings or who would win yeah oh like who would win in that (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, I like your I like your version better. Well, yeah. Which one would you want to be? Oh, the magic ones, easily. The Rethians or yeah, yeah, totally. With the uh, horns, give me the horns. I'll take them. But well, if what it means... kind of horns would you want? Um, probably like little daredevil nubs. Oh yeah. <laughs> no, I don't know. Uh, maybe some big fucking curly ram horns. Like Marco. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't want like a what are those like longhorn steer, you know? Oh, they, like, I wouldn't want that. Oh my god, or can you imagine yeah. moose? Yeah. What if I was like I don't think they do this, but what about a unicorn horn? They do do that. Oh, that's right, they do. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so yeah. there was that because that's one that I was gonna say. There's this like it's actually a really cool design, but there's this old lady, um, who she's the one who's kind of conscripting the will to sort of go after them, and she has like this long silver straight hair. And she's wearing this, like, white suit, and she has this crazy That's right. unicorn horn, That's and right. it looks so dope. Okay, so who would you be, wings or horns? Wings, for sure. Really? Well, that's what sucks, because it's like, yeah, I totally agree with you, where, like, the wreath, the wreathians, the wraiths, <laughs> wreaths, whatever, um, the, the, like, the people from wreath definitely have, like, a cooler culture, where it's like, they've got some magic, they've got just, like, kind of, like, it seems like they've got more tradition, and then, obviously, Landfall is, like, much more industrialized, and, like, I don't love that, but 
Wings, yes. Wings every day. You can my, fucking fly. Okay. My argument against wings is like in the opening scene when Alana's giving birth, they make note of the fact that, oh, no one covered the rooftop exit. And she's like, yeah, because I'm too fat to fly. So I think in my current state, <laughs> I would be like huffing and puffing to get a couple <laughs> feet off the ground. I'd be like, oh, God. But Where's then again, it's like I also think that that kind of depends on the wings that you have because like the guy who hires Prince Robot the Fourth or Robot Four, whatever his name is, he has these like massive fucking gargoyle bat wings. So it's like he could definitely get himself around. Like Alana's kind of stuck with these weird. What are they're almost like beetle wings? Yeah, where it's like they're, they they're have, very insect like or fairy wings almost is what I think. No, because it's, like, it's like they have like they they I think that they are actually beetle wings because they have like a cover, and then like a filmy kind of underneath part well they're definitely translucent like when they're out and yeah about. they look like the translucent they're like almost like dragonfly wings but like with a covering of some kind i mean all i'm saying is the magic is way more versatile and way it's like i'm sure you could find some spell to fly yourself without I, mean, I guess that's true yeah it's like i just think the wings is kind of like it's a one trick pony yeah magic gets you so much more I guess that's fair. And if I really wanted to, I could file down my horns. <laughs> Done. Unless they're somehow linked to the magic. I mean, they, they might be. Yeah. Yeah. I think I would still... I don't know. I'd want to be Hazel. Hazel's the baby, by the way. Yeah. Um, Who occasionally narrates this from some point in the future. Yeah, which we, I always... It's a great hook. Oh, yeah. totally. No, it's, it's really cool because it's, she definitely... She definitely sets it up whenever her little narration comes in. It's like she always adds in like these cliffhangers where she's like, at least that's what we thought for now. And you're like, fuck, what is going to happen? Fun fact, little trivia. That's mm. Fiona Staples handwriting. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. She does a lot on this book. Yeah. It's like it, it starts off with Hazel as a baby and then it goes up to, until she's 10. And I yeah. think one of the things that I always sort of hoped for this book is that um, it would then become Hazel's story. Like she would grow into an adult and then we'd sort of follow her on sort of like her arc and, you know, Marco and Alana would occasionally come in as sort of, like, cameo characters. But it well, wouldn't be... if they even survive. We right. don't really know. Because yeah. she talks about her parents in the past tense. Right. And it's, like, currently in Volume 8, they're both still alive. But, like, I think he... Brian K. Vaughan has shown that he's willing to write a lot of characters dying. You yeah. know, like... So it's, like, nobody is really safe except maybe Hazel. Yeah, but because then, she's the narrator. Or but she, also, there's ghosts, so yeah. it's like, maybe she's a fucking ghost? I don't yeah. know. Yeah, well, that's, like, one of the characters, Justin, that you mentioned earlier. Um, Hazel does have, like, this ghost babysitter, Isabel, who's awesome. She's, like... She's, like, a victim of, of the war, though, because she's, like, a little half-torso with her right, intestines hanging out. Right, her intestines are kind of, like, hanging out, but she's this little cute emo kid. Yeah. Um, who, yeah, she kind of, like, she tags along for a few more volumes, but, yeah. Yeah. Oh, man, what a book. What a book, what a well, book. so, okay, so Brian K. Vaughan, he's also written, what else has he written aside from this? He's written a lot. He's written The Pride of Baghdad. I'm going to try and focus on the, the his more independent stuff, because he's written a lot of Marvel and DC, but, okay. but and, it, and it, it's all good, but his, I think his, he really, like, comes into his own when it's his own characters and his own creations. Yeah. He did one called The Pride of Baghdad, which is about these lions who escaped from the zoo when we bombed 
Baghdad oh, okay. in the during the Iraq War. Yeah. Or one of the Iraq Wars, yeah, really. I was going to say, I was like, which one? Um, he wrote uh, Ex Machina, one of my personal favorites, which is about mm. a superhero who becomes a mayor after he saves one of the Twin Towers. Whoa. Yeah, that's a crazy one. And that one's like, there's almost no superhero element to it because he's a really shitty, like, yeah. it's, a, it's very grounded in real world stuff. So yeah. it's like, his superheroics are pretty limited. Okay. And then like, it's mostly a political drama and thriller. So that's a great one. That's yeah. a fucking great one. But I think his the work he's most well known for is Why the Last Man. That's a great comic. A post-apocalyptic world where literally only two males have survived. This yeah. weird unknown sort of... And one of, of them's a, a monkey. One of them's a monkey. <laughs> and one of them is a sort of stage sort magician of type. Derpy. Yeah, he's yeah, like just like... a schmo... A schmohawk, schmuck yeah. guy. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> right. that, I, what I like about him is his creator, his creator stuff tends to be limited. It goes for a long time, but it's also limited yeah. in scope. So you get a very satisfying beginning, middle, and end. I think Why the Last Man went 60 issues. I think this one is planned out at 108. Yeah. And then I, I think he's also just a really great collaborator. Like, he, in countless interview after interview, he's constantly crediting Fiona Staples with, like, her art influences the story, like, the direction of the story. So, so much of her input yeah. has guided this story. So, it's like, yes, this is a, a universe that he created when he was a kid. Yeah. Yes, these are characters that he probably initially came up with. But, like, so many, so much of it, it's equally written by her in a way. Mm. So, I don't know. I think that's, I think he's a great collaborator, a great writer. Mm-hmm. Um, you could pick up almost anything by him and have a, a guaranteed satisfying read. Um. I would, I mean, I would definitely agree with that. I, I, I have read some of, like, Why the Last Man. That's a great series. Especially because, oh, man, I'd love to read that for the podcast. Definitely, um, yeah. Yeah, just because it's, like, it really gets in. Like, the world is not better just because there's only one dude. You know In fact, I mean? it's worse. No. Just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. No, they, they do a really good job of just being like, yeah, women are people. And yeah. they make really dumb choices, too. Yeah, but there's, also, like, like, shitty people. There's good people. Yeah, yeah, it's just, like, it's, like, wow. It's almost as if, like, women and men are equal and do the same dumb shit weird hey you said it i did (laughs) um but anyway yeah let's actually talk about fiona stables for a little bit because she's awesome she is like her style is amazing like i feel like she does we talk about this a lot on the podcast where it's like hyper realism where it's like i don't i think that she has a she has a style where it's like she does people really well but it's not i don't know it's like i don't feel like it's hyper realistic while also being like really good at like portraying human features does that make sense yeah it's not it's definitely it's not, not hyper it's not hyper realistic like, i would say it's cartoony it's yeah not, well it's not, not not in the sense of like funny animal cartoons but it's they're very graphic and very like you know like strong like black lines to sort of like it's a it's it's cartoons but yeah. it is not like they're idealized figures um so she's highly influenced by like video game art like mm. video game concept art uh anime yeah and these sorts of things like she kind of creates her pages almost like a anim animation cell oh cool yeah so like um how does that work well for one example like she'll like for outdoor scenes she'll kind of block in basic shapes she'll choose a color palette and kind of create it almost like a painting you okay. know so it's like um she does a lot of her work in manga studio okay like the line art for people and all that like she 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 works purely digitally now wow which is cool but also 
she jokes about how her like basically her manager is like you could make so much money selling original art oh, but there's nothing yeah. to sell there's if you sell like if you only work like... digitally but <laughs> i mean yeah he has a point I, <laughs> I guess she really likes the sort of like the freedom to kind of like uh edit like on the fly you know like oh, resize totally. something shape warp it shape it shrink it yeah it. so um she does a lot of the the stuff in um like a lot of the line art in manga studios and then at some point she'll transfer it into adobe photoshop and that's where it'll get colored and as i mentioned earlier does she do all her own coloring yeah wow that's so impressive that's why there's only two names on this book. i guess yeah no matt hollingsworth here oh which is a shame because i love it when i love matt hollingsworth that was that's why this book has a 4.5 out of 5 for me wow because he wasn't is because matt hollingsworth (laughs) is nowhere to be found wow (laughs) can we go one podcast without mentioning matt hollingsworth no wait so what is it now are we just having a running list where it's like disney matt hollingsworth but we wouldn't want to do one excluding we wouldn't our favorite concept artist on sky captain (laughs) and the world of tomorrow okay we can't like keep We gotta, we gotta give a break on Matt Hollingsworth here. It, this is gonna be like one of those podcast episodes where it's like, I just have nothing bad to say about this. I love this book. Like, I just like, I feel like everyone should read it. I feel like I don't know a single person who like wouldn't like this. I think I know a handful of people who might be like meh about it. But like, even then, I think they would give it at least like three and a half stars. I think, yeah, because it's like you even hate space and it's right here on display. The whole book takes place in space. It's definitely very... I also loved Seven to Eternity, though, and that also takes place only in space. But also things you think would work against it for your personal taste are, like, it is very influenced by anime and video games, and it's, like, those are two things that you're kind of... I do not love them. You're kind of... I actually hate anime. I hate it. Don't say that out loud, because... No. No, you know what? Fucking send the geek police after me. Fuck anime. I hate anime. But I didn't... I don't care about the geek police. It's just that you're hurting my feelings. You're hurting my feelings. Am I really? (laughs) It's just... It's just ignorant to say something like that. Oh my god. You don't even like anime. I like anime. Do you? Dragon Ball Z, baby. Oh my god. Dragon Ball Z. Studio Ghibli is all anime. And with... Okay, you've fallen asleep during Spirited Away at least three times. We've tried to watch that movie... Three separate times, you have not completed Spirited Away. That's because so I, do not come in here and throw the name of Studio Ghibli in my face because you don't. You have no, no. Yes, I am a very like basic entry level anime fan, but they do a lot of really cool shit, and there's something for everybody. Just like manga, there's something for everybody. I just don't. I I don't like the style of anime. I just don't like the tropes. I don't like the weird like single tier. I just, I don't like it. I don't like any just, of it. I so mean, I, but I I do have some exceptions for some Studio Ghibli films. Like, obviously, yeah. Kiki's Delivery Service will always hold a special place in my heart. It's just, <laughs> you're making a flash judgment. You don't know it as well as you should yet. What, Once anime? You, yeah. I have consumed so much fucking anime. No. More than I... I love you so much right now. More than I have ever wanted you to. Might, maybe even more than me. That, I, yeah, I would actually say that that's probably accurate. And I'm here to say, I don't like it. This is so annoying, too, because I feel like there are so (laughs) many people in my life who love anime, and it's, like, one of those things where... It's, like, when you're, like, I don't like mushrooms. And you're, like, I'm a fucking adult. I don't like mushrooms. And people are, like... I hear you. I hear that you don't like mushrooms. But just try these mushrooms. But have you tried Crimini mushrooms? Right. You mean Crimini? No, Crimini. 
<laughs> like as in the plural for criminal. Okay. Yeah, they're like illicit mushrooms that you so can only get in certain places. Okay, I'm moving yeah. on from this. In Thailand. So, no. Yeah, no, and they're just like try these specific mushrooms, and you're like, no, I, I'm a fucking adult. I know I don't like mushrooms. I I promise you, I'm still not gonna like these mushrooms. I don't like anime, and I don't like manga. Um, I am surprised that Fiona Staples is like really influenced by that because I don't see a ton of that influence in this book um i guess i could see sort of like the video game element it is very some of her art is very feels very much like video game concept art i could totally see that um i but yeah i don't see the anime in it at all um uh, a few miscellaneous notes that i thought were kind of interesting uh mm-hmm. the reason they chose image comics yeah to publish them is because it is like one of the truly creator-owned uh companies you could possibly work at like uh, a lot of the big two because of the success of image a lot of the other companies offer creator-owned opportunities like dc um marvel these sorts of things but like this image is truly 100 percent creator-owned so like there's no pressure to make this into a movie no pressure into making it into a tv show no pressure into merchandising it no real editorial interference the image model is actually kind of cool it's, yeah that is really neat essentially what happens is it's probably different with, like, a superstar like Brian K. Vaughn. Mm-hmm. But for most people, what it is is, like, you pitch them on your project, uh, you know, usually with finished art and story, and they're like, oh, yeah, we love it. We'll publish it. And you don't make a dime on it until they've made back their money from printing it and distributing it. Mm-hmm. So it's like once your book is wildly successful, that's then you start making money. Um, so this was just – it was kind of cool, Brian K. Vaughn talking about how you know, there was no interference whatsoever and they can just tell the story they want to tell. That was cool. What I also think is awesome is that they've committed to keeping this book two ninety nine every issue. That's awesome. Yeah, which is highly affordable, especially, especially considering... Especially considering how successful it is. Yeah, mo- well, most comics today are three ninety nine, four ninety nine, five ninety nine, and that might... Whatever they can get away with. Like, sometimes it's it's just ridiculous. Right, and it might not seem like that much money, you know, oh, $2.99, $3.99, what's the difference? But you literally finish this shit in, like, five minutes. Yeah, it's like, a Netflix account costs seven ninety nine. I think, at its most basic. Oh, yeah. And you and get a month, like, you get a month's worth of unlimited entertainment, whereas yeah. comics, if you're a fast reader, sometimes you can blaze these, through these things in five minutes, and, like... Man, and I'm sure that I've mentioned this before in this podcast, but, again, so, my big beef with comics is like one like there's no um what is the word not accountability but um what am i trying to say there's no like a character can like die and come back like you feel no remorse when characters die because you know that they can easily be brought back my second thing that i have an issue with is that yeah it's like okay it's seven bucks or mm, five bucks for like an issue you finish the issue in probably like 10 minutes probably takes you 10 minutes to read these come out on a monthly basis. So if you like a comic, you have like 10 minutes of like enjoyment a month. Mm, you can always reread it. I mean, I like the monthly schedule. I hate it. It makes no sense to me. It should be weekly. <laughs> yeah. That Well, then you're getting into manga territory. A lot of times in manga, well, they have a, a ton of assistance, but also like a lot of times there's no backgrounds or like that's why the faces are very cartoony. And so it's because it's a little bit easier it's to render. It's just, like, pumped out. And yeah, I mean, I yeah, get we... it. It's like, I, I, you know, especially with good comics, it's like, I do get that it takes a long time to make them. It's like, um, 
it's not this sort of instant gratification thing, but that does, that is one of the things that bothers me about comics. It's like, I would much rather wait and get a trade and like, just read, um, like a concentrated book of like eight or nine issues instead of like waiting like each month. But then it's like, you read one trade and then you've got to wait like fucking eight more months and then another one comes out. Like there's a trade, it's like a trade a year. And so by the time the next trade comes out, you're like, I don't even remember what the fuck happened. Um, I feel like I'm constantly rereading, like with Saga, like I went back and I was constantly rereading shit because I'm like, I don't even know what's going on right now. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think that's the nature of serialized entertainment. I, theoretically, there are enough comics published every month that you'll have at least one thing to read a, a week. Um, that said, that's not always the case. Some, there are some very dry weeks. Which is why I'm so glad they're keeping it at two ninety nine because yeah. it's like when you're buying a couple of things a week. It, I was gonna it, say it, I was like that feels like so much money for like so little it, that you. Get it back. does so I kind of like I like checking in um, monthly so like because I'm impatient, but I also definitely trade weight for certain things where I kind of like oh okay I know that this will come out. It usually it's because of my completionist mindset. Mm-hmm. I'll sort of like I'll find a series that's interesting and I'll. I'll, it'll have been published for a while, so I'll, like, buy a couple trades. And then I'm like, okay, I want to keep reading the series, but I can't switch to single issues now. I've got five trades. Right. I can't now have single... So it's like, then I have to wait for the single issues. The other um, the other thing about single issues is they fuel the trade market. If a book is successful in single issue form, it's more likely to become a trade paperback. Yeah. So in a lot of ways... I'm subsidizing your habits, okay? <laughs> my year, You're welcome. My, that I, my yearly comic book trade that I buy? Okay. Um, you're smiling because you know what time it is. I'm smiling because it's time for Beyond the Panel. Okay, so this week, um, Beyond. We went to the movies. We went to the movies. And we saw <laughs> Little Women. And it was so good. It was really good. Guys, if we could... I would only make this episode about that movie. It was a great fucking movie. Because I have so much to say about it. Yeah, the the photography, the direction, the acting, all fantastic. Our Beyond the Panel, by the way, is not about Little One. We but just we wanted, are going to talk we, about it for a bit because it was really good. We just want to take a quick aside. Just, okay, I just, that story means so much to me. Like, the 1994 Little Women, oh, with, like, the most amazing cast of all time. Just, like, Winona Ryder, Kristen Dunst, Claire Dane, Susan Sarandon, need I go on? Um, it's, oh, Christian Bale, it's, like, oh, my God, like, it, it informed so much of who I am, so I was, like, really hesitant to go see this new adaptation, but it was great, it was so great, there's definitely some stuff that I, like, was nitpickily, like, against, but overall, I loved it. Okay, I didn't watch the first one as a kid. I laughed. (laughs) Um, so I don't have the same emotional attachment that you do. I, this movie blew that movie out of the water. In my opinion, I know that you don't feel the same way, but I really enjoyed this movie, whereas the other one I was kind of like, oh, it's good. Kind of strange, but like, as we were talking about Saga, I was like, there are like a lot of weird parallels between the two. What are you talking about? Um, oh yeah, you're looking at me with crazy eyes. But I, I, that sort of, um, there's a line in the movie where they're talking about, they're sort of debating, like, they're like, oh, what are you writing? Like, oh, I'm just writing this thing. I don't think it's going to sell because it's it's just the little domestic triumphs and failures or yeah. some, something like that. It's something along yeah. those lines. 
And then it's like, well, there's a debate about the importance of that. Mm-hmm. And then, like, this whole book, like, yes, it is a broad scope intergalactic war, as I've mentioned, like, six times already. But, mm-hmm. like, what really keeps people coming back to this is the sort of theme of family and, like, love and these little domestic issues. Like, that's yeah. what keeps people coming back, in my opinion, to Saga. And I just felt that there were some parallels there between I that. I think that and... people just always, like, forbidden love and, like, sort of, like, um you know, love at the cost of, like, everything else. And I, I think that's why people keep coming back to Saga. Fair point. You know? But um, I was trying to oh, tie okay. it in. Oh, you are trying know? to tie it in. No, I, I do think that there are, is some overlap there. Obviously, Little Women is not as graphic sexually, and there's no <laughs> weird spider lady to, like, <laughs> Thank fucking, fucking a human. Yikes. You know, like, oh my yeah. God. Yeah, originally Beyond the Panel was, like, supposed to be a way for us to kind of, like, talk about comic book news and sort of, like, comic book happenings and, like, um, sort of how comic books kind of crosses over into... Um, like the everyday pop culture world that we're living in and how like people who don't read comic books might like associate with comic books. However, now um, we want to talk about Little Women. Yeah, so (laughs) (laughs) we're changing it. It's going to be called Little Women Corner. It's going to be great. It's all we're going to talk about. It's Uh, Timothy Chalamet and (laughs) what's what's her name? Um, The author, Uh, Louisa May Alcott. Right. We'll call it the Alcott's Corner, maybe something like that. Yeah. Um, oh my god okay it was so good yeah well okay so but our our beyond the panel is actually about one of the previews that we saw when we were watching little woman and that is ghostbusters yes um i know this trailer dropped a few weeks ago so it's a little stale but yeah yeah, it's a little old but whatever we're gonna talk about it it's our fucking podcast like (laughs) and man i don't know how you felt about it well i know how you felt i know because i have a lot to say yeah but it looks boring also it's just like okay here's my main takeaway stop stop making ghostbusters movie like i also just feel like they're trying to get away with a ton of these 80s reboots by including this fucking stranger things kid it's like stop what's his name finn wolfhard he or needs a new manager because yeah. he is typecast or does he because he's probably raking in fucking dough with all he, these fucking reboot properties he is but i'm wondering what the longevity of his career is as soon as stranger things drops off the map as soon as they mm-hmm. wrap up it's like all he's been in are like it, yeah, Ghostbusters and what and else? Stranger Things. And so, but yeah. I feel like you say that like, oh, he's only been in like the three. Like no. it's just like that's some pretty big fucking properties. Like they're, no, and they're like obviously like I'm not a successful actor, but like what? I guess <laughs> yes, I married you under false pretenses, so maybe I am a great actor, <laughs> just not a successful one. <laughs> Um, no, he... You lie to me every day. I mean, it's just, it seems like he's getting typecast very young. Oh, yeah. So, I feel like Like he should... Like, he's the creepy reboot kid. He should probably try to get into something that is, like, has nothing to do with the 80s and nothing to do with, like, horror science fiction. I mean, or maybe that's his jam. But, like, yeah, I do feel like that might happen where maybe as he gets older, maybe he takes a break and then we'll probably see him emerge again like yeah. in the next like five or it'll six it'll be years. like a single camera like takes place in one room black and white yeah exactly it's like maybe two people like uh you know like yeah <laughs> one woman one man very dialogue driven him like, and oh. robert pattinson will just both yeah. like reemerge and just yeah. be like remember me like I'm... <laughs> although i do the new batman the robert pattinson is the new batman crazy i can't see it I can kind of see it. Now, I mean, what direction do you think they're going to go in? I hope they go in the sort of 70s, like, blue and gray Batman. 
Okay. And like sort of like world adventurer slash detective. Because now Batman is just contingency man like mixed with Iron Man. Mm. He's got a plan for everything and he's got funding that allows him to like, you know, build super tanks underneath Gotham. When it's like, really, he should just move his factories back from China and into Gotham. That would help the (laughs) crime rate because unemployment would go down. People would be less desperate. And with money in your pocket and something to live for... You would see the crime rate drop in Gotham. Are you listening, Bruce Wayne? Are you taking notes? <laughs> no, but he just gets off on beating up the mentally ill, oh, dressing up God. in his little underwear. And <laughs> I hope that they don't go in the Dark Knight direction, where it's like kind of like dark and gritty. Which I mean, as you know, normally I'm here for that shit. But like, I just don't think that I could do another Batman run of like dark and gritty. No. Like, I just it's like you know give me see? zany and weird. I want to see Batman. But I don't think a Robert I want to see, like, like, Batman that. fight on the roof in the rain, but, like, slip. <laughs> like, not... Okay, well, I guess my point is, like, have him be more human, where it's like... Oh, almost well, like Daredevil him? Yes, because Batman's success is actually due to Daredevil. Uh, in a lot of ways. I don't want to hear it. I'm done. <laughs> Goodbye. Ghostbusters. The trailer looks <laughs> very boring. It looks like just an uninspired, it's boring film. It's not going to do well. They're trying to turn it into Stranger Things. Yeah. It's literally a Stranger Things clone. And I would bet money, yeah. because it's written and directed by Ivan Reitman's son, okay. who was the, he was one of the Ghostbusters as well as one of the writers oh, and directors no. on it. Yeah. I would bet money that they're going to motion Is capture him. Oh. I don't know. It's I kinda, can't respect you as a nerd, Justin. I'm sorry. What the fuck do our neighbors think that we Here's my <laughs> Ghostbusters cred. I like the second movie better than the first one. I don't think that's, that's a hot take. take. No, it is not. a hot take. No, Are you the, the second one is bad. If you go back and rewatch it, it's not that good. That's the one with Sigourney Weaver, right? No, the first one is the one with Sigourney Weaver. Oh, I'll be taking your nerd card, Hannah. <laughs> Whatever. Um, no, the second one it has a scene where they, they cover the Statue of Liberty in like pink slime and they... Jam it up with that song, Your Love is Lifting Me Higher. What? And the statue moves and walks through downtown <gasps> oh, Manhattan. No. And there's like a living painting. How do it, I not remember any of this? Because uh, you were on cocaine. I guess, Much like yeah. the writers and directors and actors of the original Ghostbusters. <laughs> what do you call it? Not a trilogy, but a duology? Just back when movies were only one and two. One yeah. and two. Like yeah. a, a first one and a sequel. Yeah. <laughs> like... I don't know. Those and not movies, like seven fucking movies long. Yeah, and like tying into the, you know, like the fucking Little Women extended universe. Like they're going to like... <laughs> <laughs> God, I would watch the shit out of that. <laughs> yeah, you would. I but, just love Little Women so much. I know. But it's funny that we're kind of railing against remakes about Ghostbusters, but then it's like we're it's both like, on board for the... I know, it's like we'll literally watch seven different versions of Little Women, the which is, is the same story. This is a time. really decent reboot, whereas like I can tell from the trailer this Ghostbusters one is not... No. Be... Also, just to clarify, yeah, our Beyond the Panel, it's not about Little Women. It's about Ghostbusters. It is now. Except that it's also maybe a little bit about Little Women. And now Batman 2 and like all <laughs> sorts of... This is the most freeform Beyond uh, the Panel we've ever had. I know. It's going to be a mess to edit, but I'm having a lot of fun. Please wanna, send me your thoughts and prayers. <laughs> I want to get back to one point. Okay. At this point, I want to drive it home because it's so important. Is it? But they're going to have Ivan Reitman... They're going to have him as a ghost. Like, he's going to come back. Even though he's currently dead now, they're going to use that creepy motion capture shit, probably based on his son because his son looks somewhat similar. And they're going to have a young Ivan Wright. I know it. And I'm like, fuck you. Oh, I hate that. I hate that so much. Yeah. 
I, I'm calling it now. We're going to shut this shit down. <laughs> <laughs> That's been Comic Bay. That was Comic Bay. Next week we're reading... Invincible. Okay, cool. By Robert Kirkman and Corey Walker. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, yeah uh, you guys can tweet at us. Um, we're at Comic Bay Podcast on Twitter. Um, and yeah, come back every Wednesday for more comic book goodness. Pick up a copy of Invincible, the first trade, at your local comic shop or the nearest library. Mm-hmm. And that's all, folks. Go see Little Woman if you hadn't. Sign out.